0: Greetings, this is Olive, the Feminine Princess on the Art and Science of Femininity, sharing with you the treasures, riches, and secrets of feminine creativity and knowledge for women who follow Christ. So this next story has been told numerous times, so I would love to retell it from a different perspective. And I won't go into the whole story, it is a quite small book to read, so i suggest that you read it on your own time, but I would like for you to dream with me for a moment imagine and consider and i would not want to put this on anyone because it's a horrific place to be even though the story ends well but think of a friend that you have a friend and she's a female and this friend loses everything not in possessions but in people she loses almost everything that is familiar to her everything that was her promise and her hope And then she has a mother-in-law that tells her since we've had this loss, why don't you go back to your family, remarry, see if your gods will treat you well. And thinking about the whole situation, that there's a famine in the land, that there's a lack inside of the home, and there's no males. For at this time, it was the men who... Provided, So consider no males in the home and she has to make a choice. A choice whether to listen to her mother-in-law or stay. If you were her friend, what would you advise her to do? Well, this mother-in-law had actually two daughters-in-law and she told them both to go back. And one went back and one stayed. And one decided, you know what, I'm going to give up everything that was familiar to me growing up. Everything that I understood about my family. Everything that I thought was right and true and And, and so instead, I would like to explore life with you. Go back to your people and serve your God and cast my lot wherever it lands, both of us. And so the mother-in-law accepted this and the other one went back home. So I'm sure you guessed the story by now. It's the story of Ruth and it's a very small book so I would suggest you read it. So I did a little research into neuroscience and I discovered that primary trait that Ruth had was compassion. I believe for her to make that decision, to stay with her mother-in-law and to give up everything that was familiar to her, that she had to have compassion to do this. When I looked up in five different reliable medical resources all of them unanimously said that compassion is a learnable trait that you actually can develop compassion in yourself if you don't have that now and how one can develop it is through meditation or mindful exercises or volunteering or actually physical acts of suffering. And so, coming at this from a Christian perspective, I saw mindfulness and meditation as acts of prayer and scripture, scripture rehearsing, quoting scripture to yourself and meditating on that scripture and believing in that scripture to actually change your mind of compassion. There's a plethora of scriptures in the Word of God that talk about compassion. We can actually go to Proverbs, or go to Psalms, or go to even the Gospels that talk about Jesus' compassion. And volunteering and physical acts, they are actually other examples, other good examples that we can follow. Uh, volunteering i would suggest if you want to develop compassion in yourself that you volunteer in a cause that is closest to you there are so many so many different um, causes out there and fights and um, promotions of things it could be saving the baby seals or saving the whales or planting a garden in an inner city school or reading to illiterate adults or even children looking deeper into compassion I also looked at empathy which I believe Ruth had to have a bit of that as well although she was not totally empathetic because she was experiencing the same things as Naomi so I also looked into the word empathy and discovered that it's actually located in the cerebral cortex which is at the front part of the brain in the cerebral cortex there is super marginal gyrose, and this is the area within the cerebral cortex that empathy is located in and I looked in a journal and a magazine about psychology and neuroscience and they did a study and the studies discovered that if these specific neurons are disrupted or you have to make a decision in a quick, rapid manner, then the result will be a projection of your feelings onto other people, whether or not they're feeling them exactly or even closely or remotely the same. So I found it interesting to discover that projection of feelings usually occurs if these neurons are disrupted or if you have to make a quick decision. They also discovered that if one is living in luxury or comfort, the more luxurious or comfortable their life was, the more difficult it was for them to empathize with other people's suffering. That explains a lot. <laughs> so to sum up this observation, positive people looked at other positive people and felt the same as them. Negative people looked at other negative people and felt the same as them. But for the ones who projected and the ones who uh, had difficulty in um, blossoming or controlling this area, the super marginal gyros, they, if they were in a positive, elated, happy state, they tended to look at other people's negative, depressive, down states as not as bad as that person was actually feeling it, and vice versa. The person was feeling negative, sad, uh, remorseful, grieving, They looked at positive people or elated, happy people and thought that they were not as happy or positive or elated as the other person actually felt it. I thought this was really, really interesting. So to look at Ruth, who's experiencing practically the same thing as Naomi, to empathize with her, I think her feelings equated what Naomi was feeling. And I believe that She was able to not project her own, but actually understand Naomi's as her own, if you understand that difference. She was going through the same thing. So aside from these elements of compassion and empathy, I actually found nine acts or decisions that Ruth made in order to receive nine benefits. And so I wanted to explore those more closely. We will start with chapter 1, verse 16, and it says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And these acts or decisions, we can see what makes a feminine woman in these times. And in doing them, we can also see the benefits that are reaped by behind doing them. So what Ruth is doing here, she's actually exchanging something. She's making a sacrifice from what she understood, from what is familiar to her. And that option of going back to that turning around and going back to what used to be and what was she gets all that up she makes a decision to serve Naomi's gods and to go where Naomi is going so she is taking a risk with Naomi into their futures together and I found that different from today I have studied femininity for quite a some time now many years and the only risk that I I see traditional femininity in a modern sense um, saying is to take a risk in love take a risk in loving. but I guess you can say in a sense she did take a risk in love and loving because she loved Naomi this much but she also welcomed the idea of an adventure the second scripture is 18 from the same chapter and it said when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her then she left speaking unto her what naomi did there was accept an agreement accept a covenant that ruth made to her so they both entered into this covenant slash commitment together and you're going to see these two things play all throughout the chapters of Ruth, all throughout the book of Ruth that begins to reap her benefits. The next scriptures are in chapter 2 and they are 2 and the first part of 3 and it reads and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi let me now go to the field and glean heirs of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace and she said unto her go my daughter and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers there's so much to be said Ruth didn't even just say okay i'm living with naomi i'm going to be with naomi but i'm going to do my own thing she stayed under naomi's obedience and even honor by asking her naomi we need food do you mind if i go out and work and produce that for I mean that is so beautiful there and so different from now Um, now a lot of individuals especially in the US unless they're brought up in that culture that nurtures family and puts a premium and value on family and honoring uh, the hierarchy within family and and submitting to them unless they've been brought up in that culture Most individuals, they'll go out and do their own thing, especially if they feel they're of age as an adult. And definitely Ruth could have said, you know, I'm of age. I had a husband. You know, she could have said, I can make my own decisions. I'll go out and do what I want. But she did not. She even went to Naomi and she said, do you mind if I go work and bring us food? And Naomi, of course, allowed her to, and I think that's wonderful and beautiful that she would honor her in that manner and submit to her in that way. Ruth was really strong to do this because it takes strength, even though you know you have power and control and authority to do things, it takes strength to give that up and submit to someone who who you respect and revere. and. The third element here is work. Ruth went out and worked. She didn't just, you know, I know a lot of feminists look at feminine women who want to stay at home and raise a family as if they're not doing any work or real work. Let me tell you, running a household is work and more than a full-time job because it does not end at least at a full-time job nine to five you can leave that for a woman living at home raising a family that's a full-time job and so i would suggest that Ruth did work here she not only maintained things in her home with naomi but she actually went out because there is no man in her family at that time to bring in any corn or bread so she actually went out and did that as well so now we see her sowing three different things we begin to see her benefits her blessings her harvest coming in from that and it starts in verse 8 of the same chapter then Boaz said unto Ruth hearst thou not my daughter go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. So the first benefit that Ruth gets or receives is access. She has access to the wealthiest man's field. Reading on, verse nine. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them, Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink that which the young men have drawn." So there's two more benefits or blessings that she's receiving here. One is protection. He's already commanded other men not to touch her in any way, to leave her alone. So her being in his field and these men who respect Boaz and look up to him uh, are going to abide by his command, by his wish and desire. And so through that, she's receiving the protection of Boaz already. It's almost um, a foreshadowing of things to come. The second... Blessing that she's receiving here is provision. Boys has already provided something for her to drink. Water back then was very important. You know, they didn't have soda, they didn't have beer, they didn't have all these food drinks that we have now. But water very symbolic of the spirit of Christ and the Holy Spirit as well as creation. You know, the water in the belly of our Um, of a woman's stomach or out of our belly shall flow uh, living water for him to not only offer her water but to make sure her water is forever secure But she'll have a lifetime supply of it and we always have these cases of life-changing things that happen around water around the wells around the seas the next verse 10 we see her actually sowing into another actor decision then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me seeing I am a stranger now she understood that she was in a territory of nothing but Israelites of nothing but Hebrews and she being different she was a Moabitess Um, she actually descended from Abraham's nephew Lot. If you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot left the city with just his two daughters and they fled to the mountains and the two daughters decided to get their father drunk and produce children by him. And so the children that they bore him created the whole ethnicity or the culture of the Moabites. So that's where Ruth comes from. So in this scripture, we see that she is actually sowing gratitude. She's not just saying, ah, oh, this is life, this is the way it's supposed to be. But no, she takes notice that she's different. She has a different culture, probably a different look and a different way of living and doing things, and everybody else you know, is different from her and knows that she's different and knows she's with Naomi. And so she realizes that what she has been given was a gift, a blessing. And so she shows gratitude by bowing before, before him and thanking him. So the next verse we're going to explore shows her reaping something again. And it's verse 12 of the same chapter two. This is Boaz talking. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. So what's happening here? She's getting the blessing of the Lord. Boaz is actually blessing her with his cultural blessing. He's asking the God of his fathers to take care of her. He's singling her out and asking for a specific and special blessing upon her life because she decided to glean in this field. Once again, we see her sowing gratitude in the next verse. And then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And the next verse reads, And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime, come thy hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn. And she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. So the next benefit or blessing we see her receiving here is food. She's actually got a free meal, something to eat after a hard day's work. You know, I... Don't really know too many jobs that feed you on the first day let alone giving you a paycheck you know on the first day um, unless you work a certain job where they pay you daily most of the jobs that I'm familiar with that people have pay every two weeks if not monthly and so for her to glean and first of all glean an abundance It's like getting paid the same day and being offered a free meal on her first day of work. I would say that's favor. And I believe she received this favor because of her spirit and the things that she's sown. Not only this day with Boaz, previous to this time but also what she sold in Naomi and it's my suspicion that things don't just happen overnight. Personalities don't just crop up overnight. She didn't just decide to be compassionate and empathetic with Naomi overnight. I believe this was part of her persona. I believe she was like this with her husband. I believe that this was taught to her as a child that it may blossom in her later years. The next two verses read, And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let some fall also, some handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, and she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So the next blessing she receives here is abundance. Unbeknownst to her, he has set up opportunities for her to glean in abundance. I mean, he's actually having his workers do the work for her and just putting it in such a way that she can just find it and just reap it without having to work. It just alludes to another scripture that says, you will enter into another man's labor and you will reap what you have not sown." We see it playing out before our eyes in this story. Verse 18 reads, "'And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, that she brought forth and gave her, and gave to her that which she had reserved after what she was sufficed." Meaning, After she ate her meal, she saved a plate for Naomi. That's basically what it means. She put a little aside for Naomi too. Not just thinking of herself, but thinking of Naomi. Because remember, they didn't have anything. They had just came back from out of town. They had traveled back to Naomi's hometown. And so they were starting over again. So she brought her a meal too so she can eat. And so what we see her doing in in this scripture was sharing, you know, she thought of someone besides herself. She thought of Naomi and she has always considered Naomi from the beginning. A couple of verses down in 22, and Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens and that they meet thee not in any other field. So in this verse, Naomi is giving her an instruction, basically is for her to stay loyal to Boaz. Boaz has already made all these provisions for her. So Naomi's saying, since he's done this, stay in his field, reap the benefit, listen to him and allow him to bless you. And after all he's doing for you and has done, even after the first day, don't go to any other man's field, stay there. Next chapter three, verse one reads, then Naomi, her mother-in-law said unto her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? So right now we see that she is actually reaping assistance. She's reaping help, help she didn't even ask Now Naomi is going to work on her behalf. First, she worked for herself and Naomi. Now Naomi is going to work for her. And we're going to also see Naomi in the future reap a benefit from this too. You know, Naomi was just thinking about her daughter-in-law. She wasn't thinking about herself. But in the process of considering someone else and being selfless, Naomi herself is going to be blessed as well but she doesn't know it yet and so we see Ruth getting help here and on the third verse of the same chapter Naomi gives her an instruction so she tells her to wash thyself therefore and anoint thee and put thy raiment upon thee and get thee down to the floor So she's got three things in this instruction to do, and reading on, we see that she follows it. She's got to wash herself, she's got to anoint herself, and she's got to put new clothes on. Sometimes you may be given an instruction that seems so simplistic, but you will be surprised. How many simplistic instructions are not followed? There are many people in power and positions of authority who are looking to bless people who just can follow an instruction, you know, because it's rare to find. I I listen to a lot of successful people and one of the common problems that they experience is just finding someone to work for them that follows an instruction and so for Ruth here to listen to Naomi who the last time I checked was not a matchmaker it wasn't her vocation you know she doesn't have practice in doing this but she served the Lord God and and she knew she knew exactly what needed to be done in order for Ruth to be matched so giving her these these three instructions, which are very symbolic, and I actually talk about them in my book, How to Get and Keep a King, blesses Ruth to reap more benefits as she listens to them. So we see down in verse 7, the result of everything she's done up until this point in listening to Naomi. It says, she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. So Ruth is approaching Boaz while he's asleep and laying down by his feet. That was the custom there to show submission and to request. Something. So in this, we see her obedience. We see her sewing, obedience, listening exactly to the instruction, not only following the instruction but not altering it at any way. You know, some people they get an instruction and they change it a little bit. <laughs> now, even for good reason, well, Ruth followed the instruction to a T. Verse nine through eleven. I will read. And he said, speaking of Boaz now, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid, spread thy forth thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kingsman." To translate this into English, modern-day English, she's proposing to him. I'm not saying <laughs> that we as feminine women should propose to our men. I am merely sharing a Hebraic custom that was carried out during this time when a person's uh, significant other passed, when their spouse passed, they had the right, and I... I discussed the nucleus of this in the previous episode where five daughters of Zalopi had. If you haven't watched that, you should go watch that because it explains how these five women changed the law that now Ruth is being blessed by. And this law is that the next of kingsmen gets to inherit all the things that this person who passed um, doesn't own anymore. Reading on, And he hath said, Blessed be thou, the Lord my daughter, for thou hast shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, insomuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. Wow, in that one act of obedience that she listened to Naomi's instruction, she received grace, she received mercy, she received favor, and definitely Boaz's perspective of her is very great. He sees her as an honorable woman, as a kind woman, as a generous woman. A woman who is able to sacrifice and give up everything for herself to care for other people. And so I believe that Boaz was looking at all this when he came to his decision of, yes, I would love to marry you. (laughs) You know, he was looking at all her positive attributes and said to himself, she would make a wonderful wife, why not? why would i not want to marry a woman like that so a few scriptures later we see that they part and boaz is going to work on legally carrying out this proposition and ruth returns home and when she returns home in verse 18 naomi answers her after she discovers everything that transpired it says Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter would fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Now, how Naomi had this insight is beyond me. I have no idea. I really believe that she was spiritually perceptive and her to be a spiritual counselor to Rufus is a huge benefit to Ruth. There are many people I hear years later that say, oh, I wish I had guidance in my younger years. I wish I have it. And then those who have it, I hear, oh, oh, I wish I didn't have it. You know, it's, it's they don't understand the gift that they have until later on they see, they see the rewards of that. But in this scripture, we see Ruth sowing her last seed and that is waiting on the lord how many of us want to rush it along want to get things going want to catapult into our future but at times after we've done all of the instructions that god has asked of us and that he has put strategic people in our life to tell us to do after we've completed all those things the only thing we could do next is wait just wait on him and wait for his answer and that's what she does and so in doing this in being extremely obedient she receives in chapter 4 verse 10 and 13 a soulmate a marriage and a husband it reads moreover Ruth the Moabitess the wife of Mathlon have I purchased to be my wife. Now, please don't be offended by that word purchase. This is just a translation of the complex law that was set into place at that time. There was another kinsman that was closer to Ruth that um, was in position to marry her. And he approached that person in the company of witnesses and the person decided not to marry her. And so Boaz was next in line after him but in order for that to legally be transferred to him he had to take off his sandal so taking off his sandal in front of the company of elders and witnesses was actually a symbolic gesture of transferring the right to marry Ruth and so that's what this word purchase means don't take offense to it it doesn't mean he bought her off to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance that the name of the dead be cut not off from his brethren and from the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day so boaz took ruth and she was his wife and so he went into her and the lord gave her conception and bare her a son And at the end of the story, we see that Naomi is actually the one who takes care of this son, which renews her youth and gives her another purpose in life, another reason to have joy. You know, there's a new baby in this house, you know, someone to take care of and someone to have joy with. And remember, as Ruth also inherits Boaz's lifestyle and estate, Um, So does Naomi. Naomi came with it. And so they're both now living in luxury. (laughs) They're living in comfort and luxury and uh, beauty and just great blessing, provision and reward and protection. And these are the things I believe that are waiting for us as we sow similar seeds like Ruth did. I'd love to take this opportunity to pray so let us do so now. Thank you Lord for revealing to us the nine acts and decisions that Ruth made in order to receive nine benefits. I mean how it worked out that way was just I don't think it was by chance but it was very peculiar that she did nine things and received nine things and I ask that these nine things uh, these traits these seeds, these sowings of her heart and her uh, giving and, and caring be also sown and blossom in each one of us and that we learn from her and we also look at where we are and we sow seeds of selflessness and we sow seeds of giving and caring and we sow seeds of considering other people besides ourselves. And I also ask, Lord, that if there's any woman out there that is looking to be drawn close to you, that you draw her even now through this wonderful story close to you and that she desires to seek you with all of her heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and that she loves you the same and that you teach her how to be feminine according to please you because your word says that Everything was created to please you. So let us all use this great gift of femininity to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's program was sponsored by Olive Swan. You can visit her at oliveswan.com, browse her store, Pink Peach and Cream, and request a consultation or workshop in local area. Subscribe to our blog at thefeminineprincess.com, watch her YouTube videos, and find the podcast notes at theartandscienceoffemininity.com.